Good morning. Man, you guys look awesome in your pastels out there. All right. Anyway, what I said was you look great in your pastels out there, and uh, we're so glad you're here. Some of you look like you had like a chocolate hangover. I don't know, just guessing. A lot of Easter egg hunts. You got kids, little kids. Um, I'm sure that that's out there. Any of you parents like go to your kids' candy, pull the chocolate out? Oh, we got a couple, yeah. You know what? We used to do that, I'll be honest with you. Have you ever, have you ever done that or told your kids, you know what? You don't get any more chocolate. You've had enough. So you put it up and you forget about it and you find it later. Well, I heard a story this week I thought was interesting. It was about uh, the oldest Easter egg out there. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. But uh, back in 1940, uh, Frank Bennett sent his mother a really fancy Easter egg. Not just a, 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 you know, a plain one, but a really fancy one. I think there's a picture of it up here. Uh, is there, yeah. So that's an Easter egg from 1940, and she, it was too pretty to eat. And so uh, she, I've never seen one too pretty to eat personally, uh, but she put it up, and every year the family brings it out to celebrate. How about that? 83 years uh, that egg. I don't think it would be any good, but it's kind of cool uh, that they preserve something special. But we're going to talk about something a lot older than that, but in many ways a lot newer than that. Today is Easter, and I want to wish uh, all of you a uh, happy Easter. And uh, I want to tell you unashamedly, I, I love this day of the year. This is my favorite Sunday. It's like Super Bowl for Christians. It's the, just the big day. And, uh, and we always make this a baptism Sunday because they are so closely connected. Easter and baptism are so closely connected, and I'm going to explain that in the time. But let me just say this, that if you have not given your life to Christ and you have not been baptized, today is the day. It is your day, believe me. And you say, well, I didn't plan to do that or anything. We got you covered. I want you to be open to that. I want you to hear what God might be teaching you and, and challenging you to do today. And today is the day because everything is ready. And we're going to have several baptisms at the end of the service, and you can be a part of that. We are prepared for that. So I want to get you that up front, start thinking about that, keep that in mind, and, uh, and we're going to jump in and talk about the incredible gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Easter Sunday gives us both the, the worst tragedy of our world and the greatest victory. The worst tragedy being the death of Jesus on Friday, and the greatest victory being the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to read that uh, scripture. It's rather long, but uh, it's a big event. So let's read it together. Now, when the Sabbath was passed on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow, and the guards shook in fear of him and became like dead men. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. As light began to dawn very early in the morning, the other Mary and Salome and certain other women with them came to see the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. Then they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said to themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, for it was very large. Then they went in and entered the tomb, did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. They were alarmed and afraid and lowered their faces to the earth. But one of the angels, a young man, clothed in long white robe, sitting at the right side, answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come and see the place where they laid the Lord. But go quickly and tell his disciples and Peter that he has risen from the dead and he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. The angel said to them, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled with fear and great joy and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid, but ran to bring his disciples word. It's an amazing account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate on a regular basis, not just on Easter, but every Lord's day as we celebrate that. And that is the real meaning of Easter. You know, maybe you've heard that story over and over again. In fact, about this time of year, you probably have, maybe you've read it, you've heard it spoken on. And you know that that's a historical account of the death and resurrection of, of our Lord. But you may not know that this day, this account has something to do with you personally. Something to do with you personally that makes Easter an awesome time of year. You know, Easter in a lot of ways is a great time of year because it's in the spring, because we survived the winter. And now we're looking forward to summer, warm days. I'm a warm weather person, and, and I love that. I love to see Easter. I love to see the springtime come. I love to see the new life, the flowers, you know, everything come to life and warmth in our world. And you know, Easter is a time too of celebration, a lot of celebrations, of family get-togethers and Easter egg hunts and, you know, and uh, just a great time of people getting together. But Easter so much more than all of that. So much more than this historical story that we base our hope and our salvation on. It's so much more than the marking of springtime and warmer weather and so much more than, than fun with our families because Easter has a very personal relationship to you. Because Easter has a special meaning to every one of us. It speaks to us of our new life in Christ as well as the new life of Christ, the resurrection of our Lord. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning just talking about that from Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 5, Paul kind of traces our need for Jesus, our need for new life. And he talks about, in verse 12, about Adam, the original man, the first man, our original father. And he explains how that sin came through Adam, through one man, and that death came as a result of that sin. Because man sinned, there was death and separation from God. And that no one is exempt from either of these two things, that all of us sinned and every one of us are subject to death. He talks about how that sin shattered mankind's relationship with God and continues to do that today. That every one of us are sinners. We're all guilty of that. Romans chapter 3 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans chapter 6 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what he says is that sin separates us from God and in our natural state that we are lost and apart from God would be a destiny in hell. But then in verse 18, Paul says that just as one man, Adam, 
broke our relationship with God, got it wrong, got us into trouble with sin and death. Another man called the second Adam or Jesus got it right and he got us out of it. But you know what? He didn't just get us out of trouble. He didn't just save us from trouble. He got us into life, eternal life. One man said no to God and made the whole world suffer. And one man said yes to God and saved the whole world. And not only the world as a whole, but more importantly, all those who will believe in him. And so from Adam to Moses, there was chaos because Jesus hadn't come. There was the flood. And then God gave the law to Moses, a mark big moment. But you know what? The law was only a stopgap. When there are laws, there's going to be things we can, they're going to be lawbreakers, right? And so all of us, because we're human, we all break the law. We all sin. And the law can be very oppressive. In fact, people lived under the oppression of the law for hundreds of years. But then God had a better plan than the law, and that was Jesus. And when Jesus came, grace replaced the law and punishment and everything. In verse 20, it says, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in other words, Jesus' death and his resurrection puts us back into a right relationship with God. We're not under a law, we're under grace now. And that's why the the message of Jesus is called the gospel, because the word gospel just means good news. And that's why Easter is such a big deal, because it's a lot about good news, the good news of Jesus. Easter reminds us that even though Jesus died for our sins, that he had a purpose for that. He came back to life again. He gave us hope, not only for a forgiven life here, but more important, an eternal home, an eternal life in heaven where we will be resurrected ourselves. And that's how Easter becomes personal for all of us. I don't know if you've ever heard that message or said in that way, but that excites me to think about why Easter is such a special day. And Jesus' resurrection was such an amazing experience that he actually offers us the opportunity to experience the same thing as he did in a special way when we give our lives to him, and that is through the act of of baptism. You know, when the apostle Peter was preaching and told the people the message of Jesus, and when they heard about what Jesus had done, the first gospel sermon, The people said, what do we do in response to that? How do we respond to this kind of news? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, because they were asking this, obviously, they believed who Jesus was. They had faith, and they were being convicted of their sins, and, and, uh, and Jesus offered salvation. But they said, what do we do about this? How do we respond? And so his response was twofold. First of all, he said to repent. You know, the word repent basically means to turn away from your sins. Repentance is pretty obvious there. How do you know if you are sorry for something, you don't do it again? You change, or at least your intention has changed, and you only do it when you have failed, and then you ask God to forgive you. And that should be our reaction to sin whenever we realize what Jesus has done for us. And his extreme act of love and we, want, we don't want to sin anymore. We don't want to do what he tells us not to do. And so repentance is dying in a way to ourselves. But then Peter goes on, and he doesn't stop there. He says, not only should you repent, you also need to be baptized. 
And so it's in baptism that we really get to have this amazing experience of new life. In fact, in the act of baptism itself, we get to experience in a very symbolic way, but powerful way, the same thing that Jesus experienced in his own resurrection. You know, many people give their life to Christ or they make a decision to follow Jesus, but they've not been baptized. And for some, that might be because they've never been taught the importance of baptism or even the symbolism of baptism. Other people believe they have to wait till they reach some important mark in their life, some level of maturity or knowledge or perfection or something like that, uh, and they're worthy to be baptized. But baptism is not for those who are advanced, really holy believers who have a degree in you know, faith. It really isn't as for every believer. In fact, it's a particularly important part of giving our lives to Christ. It's a part of making that commitment and coming into Christ. In fact, in the Bible, every account of someone believing and following Christ, they were baptized immediately upon hearing and believing in Jesus. So every time that the gospel is preached, just like this morning, if you had never heard of Jesus in your lifetime, if you'd never heard the gospel, this is the gospel presented. And so you would be called and invited to be baptized just after hearing what we're talking about this morning. You don't have to hear it for years. You don't have to know a lot. You just have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You have to believe in your heart. And we're going to walk through that in just a second here. And the reason is because baptism is an experiential part of becoming a new person in Christ. It's really a part of our conversion process, not a result or something we do down the road. And when the Bible speaks about being born again, what it means is that we are a new person in Christ, and baptism symbolizes that in a very special way. So let's talk just a moment about what baptism really is, what the word really means. Baptism is the immersion of a repentant believer, the immersion of a repentant believer. It's a Greek word that literally means to dip, plunge, or to immerse, to put underwater. And the word comes from a practice in that day that was kind of a ritual cleansing or a symbolic purification process. So they would dip them under the water and then would bring them up out. So it's a very, has a deep history and background. So the method of baptism is clear. It's immersion to symbolize this. Now down through the years, the method has been kind of altered by some, primarily for convenience down through the years to maybe to sprinkle or to pour. But but really only immersion is true to the real meaning of the word and to the symbolism it carries. So whenever we baptize, we do it in a, in a, a symbolic and obedient way. We take a person into the baptismal water, we put them briefly under the water, and then they come up again. The process is so simple, it almost seems too simple, but the significance and the meaning is deep. And the symbolism is deep and it's an amazing experience. So in the, Christ, in, in the Bible, Christian baptism was always done by immersion and to a person who was responding themselves to the call of Jesus. Your response, your repentant heart. So we read that in Romans chapter 5, but now let's move on to Romans chapter 6 because we see some incredible symbolism here. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we might be no longer slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You know, Paul's been talking about grace here that covers all of our sins when we can't be good enough to obey the law. But this is not really a cheap grace that we can just take for granted. A grace that we can just kind of look at and take and assume that it's going to cover us and then keep on sinning. I mean, after all, he says, we should have died to our sins. And now we are becoming a new person in Christ. So we experience baptism like the, as this marking point in our life that we drive a stake in the ground and we declare from this point forward, from this day onward, I am a new person and I'm living for Christ. You know, our mission as a church, very simple, to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. So I want to challenge you today personally to think about your own journey toward Jesus. I want to challenge you to say, where am I and at what point on this journey have I stopped? Maybe I've, I've gotten hung up here or something. And so we're going to talk about that journey that brings us into Christ because the Bible gives us a way to be saved. And I think it's significant if we look at the, as we look at the way on every step of our journey coming to Christ that we are a little bit more, it's a little more pronounced and it leads us to deeper commitment. So let's talk, what does the gospel compel us to do? First of all, the first step is believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the living God. And that's in our head. We all take in facts and we all determine, do we believe those things to be true or not? So believing is in our head. We learn about Jesus. We consider his claim to be the savior of the world. And we come to realize that we are sinners and we are needing a savior. The second step is repentance. I spoke of a few moments ago. And repentance comes from the heart. Repentance is not something you do lightly off the top of your head. You know, I'm, I'm just going to change everything because I, I think this. No, it's a deeper commitment we have. And our belief is not just in our mind. It's also grown into a conviction that we have to act on. And we begin to think about what that change will mean to us and the resolve that we have that we want to follow Jesus. We want to leave our past behind and follow him. And that's repentance. And the third step is confession. And confession is acknowledging with our mouth that we are sinners and that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Our faith is growing and deepening because the time that we say something, words matter, right? They really matter. When we say them, and we, we have to believe them. And so we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and we can verbally state it. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the fourth step in our journey to Christ is in baptism, which is the physical act of obedience, where we actually see that. And so I tell people, especially younger kids, you know, they see baptism and they think that that's it all. No, that's kind of the culmination of coming into Christ. And then from that point, we go on to become a disciple, a follower of Christ. But you see, baptism is so much more than a physical act. And Paul explained it here in Romans 6. The beauty of baptism is that it's a picture of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And we experience symbolically what Jesus experienced literally. Because he said, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him to bab in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So here's what that looks like very practically. If you haven't seen that, we step into the water 
someone who has believed, who has repented and confessing Jesus as Lord, and we die to our old self, and then we're lowered into the watery grave. The Bible uses that terminology. And then as we are buried with Christ, baptized into his death, and then we're raised up from the water, born to live a new life in Christ, being his people, his children. And Paul says that if we have been crucified with Christ, if we have died to our sin, we will surely be raised with him, identifying both with his death and resurrection. And he says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. We have died to ourself and we are new in Christ and we believe that we will live with him forever. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we believe that Jesus is alive. He is now in heaven preparing a place for us. And one day we're gonna go to live with him forever. When death takes us or when the Lord returns, whichever comes first. And baptism is what gives us that hope because death no longer has a hold on Christ. It no longer has a hold on us either. And we are not afraid of death because we know there is new life beyond. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, I know that when it comes to baptism, there are a lot of opinions out there whether baptism is necessary or not. And I just think the Bible's super clear about that. When someone in the Bible gave their life to Christ, the person was, was baptized immediately, repenting, confessed, baptized in that day, sometime that very hour. So it wasn't an afterthought, it wasn't an option, it was a command. And Paul has shown us why here, because of the, the connection that we have to Jesus' resurrection. It's not just Paul who sanctions baptism. Remember also, it's clearly stated in the great commission of Jesus, go and baptize. In Mark chapter 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. First Peter 3 says, baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. So he, Peter brings back in the connection with the resurrection. And Jesus himself, who was without sin, was baptized to set the example for us. So let me just say this this morning. If you have been baptized, would you please revisit that moment in your mind and thank God? Would you do that? I remember the day I was baptized, the evening so clearly, all the details of that. It's been longer than I like to admit it's been. You know, it's been a while, 50 years probably or more, actually. But I remember that so clearly. I hope that you have that memory in your mind as well. And if you have not been baptized, we're going to give you a chance to do that today, even if you weren't expecting to, even if you weren't planning, hadn't even thought about it. It's that important because it was just like that in Bible times. They heard the gospel, they responded. And we want to give you that opportunity as well. We have clothes to be baptized in. Don't worry about that. We've got towels in the back. We've got everything you need. There's no excuse, no reason to put it off because many people just put this off. People tell me all the time, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I just put it off. Today is the perfect day. Today is your day for that. Now, we do baptism anytime that people are ready. Last Sunday morning after second service, we had a baptism. We'll do it midweek, midday, midnight, whenever, all right? It's that important. But today is a great day because you're here. It's Easter. It's a special baptism day. 
And so if you're a believer in Christ, but you've never been baptized, then I want to invite you to come today. I want to challenge you to put aside every excuse you might make. Maybe you've made in the past. I wasn't prepared. You know, I'm not ready. I don't have clothes. We have it covered today. Because this is something you respond to when you believe it to be true. And make this a a marking point in your life that you will never forget. If you are not immersed to experience the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I want to invite you to come. Because again, baptism is the immersion of a repentant believer. If you were sprinkled by your parents and you didn't make that decision for yourself, I want to encourage you to come. And you respond. You repent. If you don't remember your baptism or you had no idea why you were baptized, you may want to be rebaptized. We don't push that a lot, but if you can't mark that day as significant in your, in your past, I wouldn't take a, a chance on that. Remember, it's the answer of a clear conscience before God. When you stand before God on judgment day, will you have a clear conscience as to your acts of obedience when you knew what you should do, but you did not ever do it? And don't let pride or anything else keep you from doing what you know you ought to do. That is my challenge and my invitation to you. So we're going to wrap up the message part. We've got a couple of songs, awesome worship. And during this next song, several of us are going to be preparing for some baptisms. I hope that you would be a part of that. Even if you didn't plan to do so this morning, we want to invite you to do it. I'm going to, when I finish and have a prayer, I'm going to kind of walk out to the back and I'm going to walk around. I just invite everyone who wants to go and those of you who are planning to be baptized, just just move out to the back and uh, we'll, we'll just come around to the side and we'll prepare for the baptisms. But it's an awesome day and you could be a part of that. Don't let this be something that you regret that you didn't do to that day because there will never be a more convenient time, a more important time than right now to be obedient to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your holy word. Father, we need your wisdom and your truth. And God, we need a savior. And thank you that we have Jesus who is willing to be that savior who laid his life down for us. And God, thank you for the invitation right here, right now. And Lord, I know there are people in their hearts that are are waffling a little bit about this because you didn't plan to, or God, there's always a dozen excuses. But Lord, I thank you for those who will humbly and boldly say and step out and say, today is my day to be be obedient, to experience this amazing, uh, the symbolism of baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in our own. And Lord, we claim that as the beginning of our walk with you, our new birth in Christ. Father, we just come and, and we ask your blessing on the day. And God, I pray that you would touch each heart this morning. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together to worship and to exit.